Hey folks, it's Carl at Sterling Health and Fitness, and thanks for tuning in. So today we are going to talk about assessments. Why would we assess? Why do we assess our clients as trainers? And to speak on this topic today, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Dr. Brent Brookbush. Thank you, sir, for bringing, being with me again. So glad to be here again. It's awesome to have you on my program again. Brent is a doctor of physical therapy. He's also an NASM faculty instructor. He's also the founder and president of the Brookbush Institute for Human Movement Science. You definitely have to check out the links for that during this video. Click on it at some point and go because there's awesome information there. So we'll get to that at the end. We're going to talk more about that. Let's talk about assessments. We have a lot of trainers who watch the program. We have a lot of non-trainers who watch the program who either are training with somebody or they are thinking about training. One thing that um, we're taught to do as trainers is to assess our clients when we meet them. And with that in mind, why is it that we see so many trainers who either don't do assessments or they do assessments, but there's the programming that goes with the assessments makes absolutely no sense at all. It's like they didn't take any of the data and actually use it. Interesting question, right? So I've seen a lot of this throughout my years of teaching, right? I was faculty for New York Sports Club and faculty for Equinox, and I got the chance to really delve into teaching a course and then watching it being used on the floor. Mm. And generally speaking, you would see a lot of, I just learned X, Y, and Z. It was really exciting. Let me go back and do exactly what I was doing yesterday. Right when I get with my client, and I think there's a few things that lead to that. Uh -huh. um, some of it's laziness, right? So we'll start with the negative. Some of it's just flat out laziness and complacency. Okay. Like it's the inability or the unwillingness to put in that additional mental effort to really stretch oneself and bring something new to the table. Right. I think the other side of it, though, is a little bit of intimidation. Mm -hmm. Right. So as soon as we start saying assessing, we start talking about assessment, we tar start talking about outcome-driven uh, programming, mm -hmm. you start looking at more complicated issues. Right. So now it's just not like, hey, today I'm going to work my biceps and triceps and get huge arms. Mm -hmm. right. we're, we're, we're now going beyond. As soon as you said assessment, we've gone beyond that. And there might be some barriers. There might be a lack of knowledge when it comes to functional anatomy. Like me and you have talked about the overhead squat assessment. The, exactly. The, your ability to use the overhead squat assessment is only dependent on your functional anatomy knowledge. That's yeah. it. It's not a complicated exactly. assessment. Um, it might come down to those conflicting belief systems that you're trying to get away from. Right. So the 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 bodybuilding mentality that we came from, which I, you know, I respect, um, but we moved a long way from that in the 60s and 70s when we were coming up, right? We have to be able to go, okay, here's the good parts of that, but let me move forward rather than continuing to compete with what we've always done. Right. Um, so, you know, I would say latency and complacency is one piece. That intimidation factor is a huge piece. Yeah. Um, you know, and then of course, a little bit of that ego and a little bit of that holding on to the old world, mm -hmm. because this is what worked for me, which we need to get rid of. I would say those are the reasons. True. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, I remember when I was a new trainer, um, I was scared to death. 
to get in front of my first client. I almost canceled on her, too. <laughs> I almost did. It's a little intimidating. Yeah, it was really very intimidating. And here I am, you know, first client, and oh my gosh, do this with a real human. You know, I had tried on family and friends some assessments, but it's almost like it, it doesn't, it's not the same. Cause it, yeah, family and friends don't count. Just yeah, I mean, they do count. It's good practice. Yeah, I was going to say it actually. It doesn't really count because when you get, you need to get in front of a real a person you don't know, and that's intimidating. So I can relate to the intimidation factor. However, with the ed education I received, which um, a lot of you know, what I've learned comes from you, thank you very much. Um, I to do my part. Attending the NASM workshops where Brenda has taught um, several that I've been to. You know, so we learn that we know if we don't do it, we're crazy. So at least we do something. At least I was doing something. And I felt good I was doing something. And I find it interesting that uh, a lot of trainers actually don't do that. Either no assessments or do the assessments, don't program. So with that in mind, and uh, how you answered that first question, I mean, uh, in your opinion, how dangerous is this to the client? I mean, there's potential for disaster in some cases. Yeah, I get now. See, now we're talking about which level of professional are you. This gets a little bit more complicated. We start talking about scope of practice. What type of clients and patients are you seeing? So something like, realize even a PAR-Q form, a physical activity readiness questionnaire, right? Do you have any of those cardiorespiratory or metabolic risk factors, mm -hmm. right? Like we've all seen one of those little handouts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as personal trainers or right. physical therapists, athletic trainers, chiropractors. Like that level of assessment needs to be done, mm -hmm. right? Needs to be done with everybody because we need to make sure that nobody's coming into our programs that could potentially be seriously harmed yeah. by our programs. Like I would hate to see somebody with a, a cardio pathology all of a sudden accidentally walk into a high intensity class somehow skating by this assessment and then have a cardiac event like that would be really really bad yeah. um, if we're talking about movement assessments how dangerous is it it's less dangerous if they do the assessment and use it uh, but we got to remember the personal trainers have been working without movement assessments for decades mm -hmm. that movement assessment itself is fairly novel Right, made popular probably in the personal training realm by the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and then of course others joining that fight like fun uh, Functional Movement System or of course BrentBrookBush.com and the Brookbush Institute, right? We're all kind of now really pushing this thing, but it's actually relatively new. Right. Uh, how dangerous? Safer than we do them now. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I'm glad you brought that up about the cardio. So. Do you have any ideas, like any suggestions or thoughts on how we can get trainers in the industry to raise their standards and start doing these assessments instead of not doing them? I do. I have a lot of ideas on that, right? Like I'm an educator. That's that's part of my sit there and scratch my head at night and how am I going to make the world a little bit better from from my standpoint? What what's gonna what can I do? Um, I think access to education is a big one. Right, I think one of the things that we've done at the Brookbush Institute is, of course, we're going to keep offering live workshops, but getting a lot more of our education online, a lot more videos online, so that you can at least 
get close to that live workshop experience in the comfort of your own home, no matter where you're located, no matter what time of year it is, what weekend you have available, what hours you have available, it's there for you. I think that's part of it. Making that affordable, which is also something that we've done with our online model. It's yeah. a lot easier to scale and make something affordable like that, as expensive as education is, at least I can offer a monthly membership for a yeah, reasonable like, price. I have to interject for a minute. I've subscribed since the day it was launched. You a little have. under a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. January. Yeah. It is awesome. You just have to go and just subscribe. I mean, if you don't like it, then stop after a month. But I guarantee you're going to stay with it because for me, it's like a, a, a big time go-to resource. If I have any questions, I just go in there. Seriously, it's it's my go-to spot. I am I am a prolific nerd. If nothing else, <laughs> uh, we get a lot of stuff out there. And I know this sounds like a sales pitch on this guys, but uh, education is really is really my passion. Um, you have hit on a, a question here that just happens to link with my passion, so I don't mean to just pump my website, but getting more people to assess has to do with access to education, making it affordable. And then of course, I would say the last thing that nobody does a really great job of, and this needs to be said more, is that you need to assess because it will set up programming that is more effective, that can be measured, that can be reassessed. You can continue to learn, improving your programming further, which, wait for it, is going to assure you financial stability. Mm, I yeah. think one of the big problems that personal trainers have is, is they think the name of the game is acquiring clients. True. That's actually not the name of the game. The name of the game is not losing clients. The lower you can get your attrition rate, so this gets a little bit business. We're talking about client acquisition versus client attrition. Client acquisition is actually very hard. Client attrition isn't. If right. you assess and you keep a good program, you'll keep your clients because programming is better. And then when you reassess, they see their improvements, like literally see the numbers. You have yeah. something to measure. Exactly. All of the guys I know who are making enough money to live and have, you know, personal training can be very tough. 5.30 to 8.30 in the morning and then you're working until 9 p.m. at night and you have like this, you're working Saturdays and Sundays, you're working every time that everybody else isn't working to try to keep alive. True. The people I know have taken their lives back, mm -hmm. taken them, took them, taken their lives back, have a good salary, have a decent schedule. Mm -hmm. They all assess, they've taken their training to that next level so that they can create these more sophisticated programs and measure their outcomes. Right, that makes sense too because, you know, I can speak from experience when I first got started especially, and I think a lot of trainers run into this, even if they're with a fitness club, uh, getting clients uh, isn't always easy. The club doesn't always just hand you clients. And if they do, well, that's great. And then you have to think about the split. Of course, you know, a split is necessary, but with the split that is taken by clubs, not to get too much into the business side, it could be hard to make a living as a trainer. Yeah, you know, you get downtime and gaps in your schedules, where you get an hour off here and an hour off there, and out. But you, it took up twelve hours of your day, but you only work like seven. Yeah, and for the only the hours you work, you get paid. That can be really tough. So the attrition, like you say, once you get them, um, you, you need to be assessing, obviously. 
and continuing to reassess, and that that's what's going to help keep you moving forward. Otherwise, you become like, like what's the difference between you and, and a fitness magazine? Mm -hmm. Like these guys who I see is still a lot of trainers out there with cookie cutter programs, and I'm going to do the five by five program because we're going to do some strength training, or I'm going to do this program I saw that's a high intensity program because it looked really cool. Well. Truth is, anybody can pick that up from a magazine, and you can only give those one-shot programs so much yeah. credit before eventually, if you don't have a plan, where are you going? Right? right? Like you, you're not going to have a result that matches where that client wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Well, so you pretty much answered why we need to assess. Look at my list here. Yeah. So you'd like to add to that though, as, as to why we're assessing. Yeah. So I actually do. So I, I actually would think that as a separate question. Okay. So I'm real big on, you know, we're in this evidence-based movement, which evidence-based means that we have some evidence mm -hmm. heavily leaning on the side of we have some research to back up how we progress. Right. And with evidence, we talk a lot about reliability, right? Is this test reliable? Can it be trusted? Does it give us the same result every time? If two people do it, is it going to be seen the exact same way? Mm -hmm. But I actually think there's a more important question to be asked, which is relevance. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do an assessment, it should be relevant. And what I mean by that is every assessment you should do should be done with the singular intent of affecting your exercise program. If your assessment does not affect your exercise program, get rid of the assessment. I don't care how wonderful you think that assessment is, right? Yeah. You can break things down. There's a few different types of assessment categories, like I would consider a PAR-Q. Obviously, that doesn't affect our exercise selection, but it's important for clearing right. a client. We might have another set of assessments that give us some ideas about contraindications. Where most of our time is spent, though, is those assessments that should be affecting our exercise selection. Right. So something like the overhead squat assessment, if you're doing the overhead squat assessment, you should be doing the overhead squat assessment with writing an integrated warm-up or a corrective exercise intervention. If you have no intention of correcting what you see, or writing an integrated warm-up, don't do the overhead squat assessment. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how good the assessment is if you're not going to use it. Right. Same thing with like Thank a one-rep max test yeah. or, you know, great, so you did a one-rep max test. Yeah. Now what? One thing I've learned from one-rep max testing, they do absolutely nothing to change the way I program. Because mm -hmm. if I'm training within a rep range, I'm going to use that rep range to determine how much load somebody gets. I'm glad you said that because I don't do one one rep max assessments because I couldn't figure out any relevance actually. I'm taking the word from you, but I couldn't figure out any point in doing it for the client base that I deal with. And even if anybody came on who wanted to do it, I'm not sure that it matters that much, you know. So that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean there's other there's a other any test you do, like I said, it should, whether it's cardiovascular testing, strength testing, movement assessment. It's got to have an impact on how you're going to select exercise. You can, we can get really fancy and start talking about special tests or personal trainers. I know get really hyped up about muscle length tests and goniometry and you know some other 
more sophisticated flexibility assessments and stuff. The truth of the matter is, is if you're just using it to look cool, stop. It's not. It's really not that cool. Um, assessments like it's not a. It's not a cool thing. It's like it's a waste of time. Uh, then you're taking up your client's time. And yeah, you could be doing other things with them, getting them towards their goals faster. Yeah, take on assessments, learn them, but learn them with the intent of using them. Excellent. Okay, so that brings me to another question I'd like to ask you. Yes. So my next question is: What types of assessments should we be doing? This is going to get a little biased. There's no way for me to answer this question in an unbiased fashion, right? Okay. So I use a human movement impairment model, mm -hmm. right? This starts going back to like postural dysfunction and people like Kendall and Yanda and Saruman and Clark and Lewitt and you guys know NASM kind of brought that into the mix and obviously NASM has been a big part of my career. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to talk about what assessments you should do, I kind of like the overhead squat assessment, right? Sure. Dynamic postural assessment is good. You need to start with if you don't use the overhead squat assessment, there still has to be some sort of dynamic movement assessment. Something full body that's going to give you an idea of not only the quality of movement, but how to correct that movement. Now from there, things get more and more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. right? Overhead squat assessment's a great start. After that point, once I've determined the segment that I want to address, Right, whether it's lower extremity, lumbar pelvic hip complex, upper body, um, I'm going to start going to things that give me much more specific information, like goniometry, muscle length tests, or manual muscle testing. Right, so okay. that kind of narrows down some of my exercise selection by the overhead squat assessment gives me a big idea of what's happening and implies a lot of different muscles, right? A lot of different joints, maybe some fascial structures, maybe even some different nerve stuff. Mm -hmm. But it implies all of it all at once because all you can see is changes in joint motion. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to slowly pare down, trying to figure out, okay, well, if somebody's knees bow in, does it come from the hip or the ankle? Let me pull out my goniometer and see if I have hip limitations or ankle limitations. Mm -hmm. Let me do my manual muscle testing and see if my hip is weak or if my like tibialis anterior is weak at my ankle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, as a physical therapist, obviously, there's a bunch of other assessments that I can use sure. um, and have to use because I have a much more at risk population at times. But right. you know, I would say that's the big thing is to start with something big, some dynamic postural assessment, and every assessment thereafter should be helping you to narrow in Narrow it down to the most optimal, accurate, effective, time-efficient program you can come up with. Okay, I like that. So, we do the assessment when we first meet our clients. Then it's important to reassess, which we know a lot of people don't reassess. Uh, they assess one time and then just go forever without reassessing. I always thought reassessment is good. I know you agree with this. And yes. let us on your thoughts about reassessment. Like, when would you do this? Yeah, so... How does that vary between clients, too? This is interesting. So reassessment, how often you reassess is totally dependent on how good you are. Right? right? So, number one, reassess. Let's, let's just start there. Too many people do, like, the overhead squat assessment and then never go back to it. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is if you don't reassess, 
doing the overhead squat assessment to begin with was absolutely useless because you have no idea whether your intervention was effective. True. Right? You need to reassess. It's a chance for you to see if your intervention was effective. It's a huge learning opportunity for you as a professional. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, it's an opportunity for you to modify your program to continue getting results for your client. Right. Right? Excellent. So, yes. huge, huge learning experience. Got to keep progressing. We go back to that keeping people get moving forward so you don't have attrition, right? Like all of that stuff kind of plays into this reassessment thing. Of course, I'm interjecting, but the clients like it when they feel better, when they see themselves making improvements, whether it's, you know, weight loss or mobility, you know, functional improvements. They love that. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, putting it to paper. Sometimes those weight loss goals, guys, like, it's tough. We all know it's tough, mm -hmm. right? Weight goes up and down, a month's passed. Yeah. They lost four pounds, but they didn't tell you they had a cheesecake last night, like, so the scale's not showing what it should be. Yeah. Um, you know, things like movement assessment do give you a little bit more stuff on paper, too, I think, to help those people continue on. Right. Um, so reassess. As far as frequency of reassessment, I was 100% um, truthful when I said it depends on how good you are. Initially, it might take you a month to make some big change in the overhead squat assessment. You got to learn your corrective exercise. You got to get better at teaching the techniques. You have to get a bigger bag of tricks. You have to get more refined in how you put those techniques together. Right. As you get better, you have to do the overhead squat assessment more often because you're literally making a huge change. Exactly. There are times where I'll do an overhead squat assessment several times in the same session because I'm literally trying to pare down, okay, I just did those two exercises. Did that help? I just did those two exercises. Does that help? Yeah. Right? Or I've made big change inside of 20 minutes and I want to see it. Yeah. Right? You can get that good. It is possible. It is possible to fix certain things in the overhead squat in a single session, which means you need to reassess so that you can then write the next phase of your program. Can I interject? Yes. So I had an experience today that was good. I was with a lady on the Upper West Side doing a session. And we, first, I've known her for a while, but we got together for our first thing today, our first session, and we did the overhead squat assessment. So what was really cool is 10, 12 minutes after we're done with the assessment and we do the appropriate manifest release followed up by the stretching and the you know, uh, we, we had uh, heels wanted to rise even though I wouldn't let them come off the ground forward lean knees come in feet turn out a little so we do what we need to do about 12 minutes or so later I just said you know just get up and try to do it again you know how much further down she squatted and how less of a forward lean she had and the knees weren't going in as far so oh my gosh this is easier of course, I've been doing this with people for a long time, but the reason and I appreciate you letting me interject is that they like it when they can see an improvement inside the first half of the session. They love that. And who wouldn't? I love it when I see improvement too quickly. Of course, we know that you got to keep at it, do it every day, do it frequently, because that's not a one-time fix. You know, everything's going to kind of shift back to how it was, but it's, it's proof. The stuff works, and it can start to work immediately. And I think, and, yeah. like, to, to kind of piggyback on that, if you hadn't gotten better, that's not a failure. 
Like, I think that's what people are afraid of. Mm -hmm. Just because you did your overhead squat assessment, you tried a couple exercises, and the overhead squat assessment did not approve, doesn't mean you failed. You just learned what things aren't going to work. And you have to move forward with that mentality. Maybe your release technique wasn't done well. Or maybe they only did the lateral gastroc and it's more the soleus, so they need to move that foam roll a little bit. Yep. Or maybe they need joint mobilization along with that stretch, and a stretch alone isn't going to fix their dorsiflexion. Right. Like, these are all questions you should be asking yourself when you fail to make an overhead squat assessment better because you didn't fail, you just learned. That's yeah, all it, you did. It's, it is a huge learning experience, you know. But today, actually, her soleus were more so the things that we need to work on than the lateral gastroc. For some reason, that's just the way it worked out. That not uncommon, you know. It worked better to release the soleus. So, let's move on to another question I'd like to ask you. You got it. So, Brent, what's new with the Brooke Bush Institute? I know you got a lot going on there. It's an amazing website, folks. You gotta check it out. Tell us what's happening there. Yeah, no, we just uh, it it's getting more and more exciting. Mm -hmm. It's been a long road. Um, any of you entrepreneurs out there, like you know, it it's an uphill battle. There's definitely days where you feel like everything's trying to push you back, and all you can do is try to take a step forward. I'm more dedicated than ever to try to push education forward. I, I love what I do. Uh, the company's getting bigger and bigger. I'm getting more and more excited about what we can do. We're launching a new site, right? So we've had this site. We're going to, believe it or not, this is our fifth version of the website, right? Like this is... You've had a few and they keep getting better every time. Yeah. This is brookbush.com 5.0, I guess. Uh, so we're getting ready to launch that. It's going to be much easier functionality, much prettier. Um, so we're working on that. I just hired a couple more writers, so we're looking to increase the amount of content we produce, which wow. we already produce a fair amount of content, but I'm not satisfied. Um, we're gonna take on bigger and bigger projects. I, I hope to, in the next few months, start considering adding more manual techniques, which brings in athletic trainers, chiropractors, and physical therapists. I also plan on getting more into the exercise physiology side because I realize that's a needed gap where there's not a lot of access to good education in exercise physiology. It's not a textbook, like right? Like what we offer is a little bit more visual, a little bit more interactive. I think people enjoy that. It's a little more scannable. You can take it in bit by bit, which I also think is important. So we're trying to put our, our kind of mission on the exercise physiology thing. So, a lot going on. Of course, I'm still working as a physical therapist and right. trainer, and the office is getting busier and busier. Could always use more clients, as I think we all can, but uh, I'm looking forward to learning more. I'm, I'm yeah. considering what new workshops I'm gonna take. I just got my certified orthopedic manual therapist. I know, congratulations on that. By That's a big, big test. That's a big um, but now I've taken all their workshops, so I gotta find something else to do. Yeah. So I gotta take a, a couple new workshops next year. I'm looking forward to like. And to me, that's that's really inspiring to me. I mean, you know, uh, going off totally off track for for a minute. I mean, you're one of the reasons I'm in the business to begin with. We two jazz musicians. Okay. For, well, yeah, <laughs> former jazz former musicians. Jazz yes. Musicians. Yes. And, you know, we connected 
through music before we uh, connected through fitness. But, you know, I love your passion for learning and educating. You're a great educator. Workshops are awesome. The site is awesome. The information on that site is just, you have to check it out. It's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot out there. Like I said, I'm a very prolific nerd. Yeah, and, you know, I, I say it here in the video, and he's with me, and he's my friend, and all that, right? I say it to everybody, though. I say it when I'm not on camera. I say it when I'm not with him, which is most of the time. I mean, because I, I think it's the, best, it's the best resource I've found to go to. If I have a question about what to do with a client, I pretty much just, well, I always go there first, and I've never not found something useful for the exact issue I'm dealing we, with. We hope you to know. be the Wikipedia of human movement science. I almost called it that earlier in this interview. It's yeah, like the, I mean, the wiki, you know, Brooke Bush Institute, wiki. And then of course of, you're gonna have access, you can take all of your online CECs now through us. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is exciting, we're also working on making that possible for physical therapists and ATCs to do that as well. Oh, great. Um, and then we're gonna go try to make that happen for chiropractors as well too. So yeah. it's like the Wikipedia meets Whatever the online course platform that you want to take is, like, we're, we're trying to do it all for you guys under this one monthly membership model. Yeah. I think it's going to work out. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, you, you know, you can't beat the, the the investment of that. It's just, it's, it's a great deal. Yeah, listen to Carl. <laughs> it is I, a great deal. <laughs> it's a great deal. It's only twelve ninety nine a month right now. Yeah, so. I wouldn't even think of not being a part of that. You know, because I, I just go there so. You know, I love it, man. I, I love it. This has been great. I've learned a lot today. Always appreciate I'm, I'm your. Uh, I enjoy doing these things. So sharing your I was your first victim, and I'm sure yes. I, this won't be our last oh, no. interview. We need to do more, more regularly. Yes, you were, sure. the first interview I did was with Brent about almost a year and a half ago. The very first uh, podcast, we, if we you will, it's video, but it. we have the audio version of this on iTunes too. So. Um, always great to see you. Thank you, sir. Always. So you know where to go because the links have been on the screen forever here and the whole, you know, time we've been talking. Click, check out his site. Check out sterlinghealthandfitness.com. I also have a... Come and see me if you're in NYC and something's busted. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel. My YouTube channel, I have a playlist for Brent's work, uh, interviews now because that's how many interviews we've done. I'm on YouTube too. I should. We should like figure yeah, out yeah. link that. We should because his YouTube is. Uh, you we should link our YouTube channels. It's, yeah, we gotta check it out. So, awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great day.